Good evening. Uh, children, you are dismissed to your classrooms and the Sunday school teachers. If you have a cell phone, please make sure they are turned off. This is that time where you do it. <laughs> or when it rings. <sighs> We've been in this church for a while that we know it happens. And we exercise grace, right? <clears throat> Praise God. I have the sniffles tonight. Uh, please excuse me with that. Um, please turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. We're going to continue with our uh, series in the book of Ephesians. Pretty simple. If you have it memorized, and easy. It's easy, right? Even better. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for another day. Another day that we were able to spend with our loved ones, with our family, with our church family. To sing praises to you and worship you with our lips, our hearts, and our minds. Now, Father, please anoint me, Father God, your, <clears throat> your messenger. Just use me as your vessel, Lord God, to speak to your church, to your people. This church, Lord God, where you are the head of, Father. We are merely your parts. And Lord, I pray for your chosen ones tonight. I pray that you will open the eyes of their hearts, Lord God. May they receive your message with all humility and with all sincerity. We ask, Lord, for forgiveness for our sins, Lord. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder you from speaking to us. Anything, Lord God, that will stop us from hearing you clearly, Lord God, please remove it. Help us, Lord God, anoint us. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us through your Holy Word, the Bible. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. I entitled our message tonight, Faith and Grace. Faith and Grace. And you know this, this thing here? You guys know what that, uh, what's it called? I'm pretty sure ampersand, right? Most of you guys, the adults. The kids were like, and? <laughs> it's called an ampersand. This is what they use. That's the symbol that we use if we know that the former is not greater than the latter. They're basically equal to show equality in the title. So faith and grace are equal. In our faith, grace is needed. But without faith, grace is not going to come. So they're equally important. As we continue this study in the book of Ephesians, we know we've studied a lot, right? Some doc the doctrines of the doctrines of faith, so sovereignty of God, the doctrine of election. Um, we've 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 learned a lot. Hopefully, some of you have ret retained it and learned from it. Um, so what we read is this: we read Ephesians two eight nine. Now, as a converted legalist, Paul. Right? Paul was a legalist. How? He was a Pharisee. And he followed the law to the T. He dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. And Paul here insisted that one truth of the gospel, eternal life is not earned by any ritual or rule keeping, which he calls works, but is given to us by the grace of God. 
The only thing you can bring, the only thing we can bring into our salvation is what? Our sin. Our sin. That's the only thing we bring into the salvation. Everything else is from God. Yet in this paragraph, he knows that God intends us, oh, but it's given by the grace of God. In the next verse, verse 10, I was supposed to have verse 10, but as I was working on the message, I needed to take it out tonight. So next week, we will tackle verse 10 alone. But Paul makes a clear distinction that in verse 10, if you add verse 10 here, that the God, good works has nothing to do with us obtaining our God's favor. They just are the fruit of grace. Now the ma major passage in, in this is, is verse 8 here. Is to understand God's grace, His kindness, and the unmerited favor, which is grace, forgiving love, and the word saved. The word saved has a variety of meaning. And the original language is sozo. Not zozo, but sozo. From a it's, a, it's to save or to deliver or to protect, to heal, to preserve, to make whole. Now we are saved from what? From God's wrath. We will we'll tackle that more later. Which was all which we all incurred because of our sinfulness. Now the word is an action verb. It's an action word, so it's a verb. It's to save, keep safe, to rescue. We are constantly being rescued from the from the consequences of our sins. It is a one-time thing, but as we continue to sin, we will we will know at that point that God saved us again and again and again. Salvation is an active word. It's an uh, save. Being saved is an active word. The tense is a completed action with the emphasis on its present effect. It is present and it's constant. Now, what are the objections when we talk about we are saved by grace? I'm looking around the room. I, I'm, I'm thinking we're all saved. We're all saved. But then what's saved, right? We're going to talk about that later. But the objections are this. So long as I have faith, they say. They will go to heaven so long as they have faith. Or so long as I am a good person who does good things. Until you mess with them. right? Until you borrow money from them and you don't pay them to see if they're, how good they are. And the number three is, if saved by grace, why do good works indeed? So number three we will tackle next week. Okay, so the first one, save from what? Before we go to the save by grace alone, save from what? These are the revelation, these are the, the verses from where we were saved from. We were saved from hell. Our sins deserve hell. That's why God's grace is not fair. Because what is fair for everyone is that we all go to hell. That we all suffer the consequences of our sins. That is, that is why grace is not fair. Because the person that did not do any sin, committed any sin at all, an innocent man through Jesus Christ, was the one who suffered for our sins. So it is not fair. But look, Revelation 21.8. The people that will go to hell. But the cowardly, 
Whoa, the cowardly? What? That alone? Going to hell? The unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. And they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. We were saved from that. So if you're not a liar, then you don't have to worry about it. But if you're a coward, if you're unbelieving, you're vile, you're a murderer, sexually immoral, I think it covers everybody there. If you say no, you're lying right now. Matthew 13, 42 and 50, same thing. And throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We were saved from that. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you were saved from that because that's the consequences of your sins and mine. 2 Peter 2.4 For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Jude 1.7 In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So if you were wondering what kind of place hell is, a lot of it is hot, fiery, and hot. If somebody else told you that it's a nice Palm Beach golf resort, they're lying to you. Hell is this, this is a picture of it. It's a place of eternal separation from God. It's, it's God's way of respecting your decision to not be with Him. He's going to respect your decision. Right now, He is pursuing you. If you have not surrendered your life to Him, if you have not accepted Him as, as your Lord, He is still pursuing you. You still have a, He still have a plenty of chance until you take your last breath. The first, the first objection: I have faith. So long as I have faith. Now you look at Ephesians two eight nine again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now that's the that's the tricky part. That's the slippery slope for when people say, so long as I have faith. The question is, faith in, in whom and in, in what? Right? Not just the word faith, because this is loosely used. Faith usually means like, what religion do you belong to? Well, so long as you have that faith, compared to somebody who doesn't have faith. You know, the, the atheist people, they also have faith. Their faith is that they, there is no God. They're hoping. That there is no God. That the, the stupid things that they do in this world, the immoral things that they do in this world, they will not suffer any consequences. So their faith is in that belief. So if they think they have no faith, they do. They, their faith is that there is no God. But here, it's very clear. Faith, and this is not of yourself. So faith in what? In Romans, Paul makes it clear here. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, to all who believe, to all who believe. So that's pretty clear. It's not just a matter of, oh, I have faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. Is Now, is there an in addition to, to faith in Jesus Christ and so on and so forth? No. Righteousness, meaning right standing with the Lord. 
How can you earn eternal life if you are in right standing with Him? That's what righteousness is. And the only way that we can become righteous is if we accept Jesus as our Lord. Because Jesus becomes payment, the atonement for our sins. That's when we become righteous. Is given. Righteousness is given. Again, given. Not earned. Given. Through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to keep up my... My notes is not keeping up with me here. <laughs> faith in Jesus Christ. All right. Pistis is the word, the original word for faith. Pistis. Meaning, assurance. To believe, to believe and be persuaded. It's the moral conviction. Truth or truthfulness of God. Truthfulness of God. Reliance upon Christ for salvation. Those are the, 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 the original language of faith. Now, a pilot can have a lot of faith in his plane. A pilot can have a lot of faith in the maker of his plane. We can have a lot of faith in the maker of our car, right? Because all oh, these are well-engineered German cars or Japanese cars. Toyotas make the great car. We can have so much faith in the, in the builder or the brand. But then what happens? Do they fail? Yes. Because at that point, our faith has nothing to do with anything. It all depends on where our faith is relying on. Correct. That reminds me of a story about an aircraft that's about to crash. There are five passengers there. There's an American inventor named Elon Musk. There's an American athlete named LeBron James. And then a politician, an American politician named Nancy Pelosi. You guys already know where it's going, huh? And there's a pastor and there's this 10-year-old Filipino boy named Bong. But unfortunately, there were only four parachutes. So the first passenger says, I'm LeBron James. The Lakers need me. It will be unfair to them if I die. So he takes the first parachute and jumps out. Second passenger, Nancy Pelosi, says, I'm a speaker of the house of the United States of America. I don't care what you think about it. I am the speaker of the house, he says. I am also the most dedicated woman in the world, and I'm a wife. I recently invested in Tesla. We we're making money. I need to go. She takes the second parachute and jumps. Third passenger, Elon Musk, said, I'm the CEO of Tesla, and I'm a billionaire. I'm very responsible, and I'm the one of the smartest people in the world right now. There's no way I can die. It's unfair for the world. He takes the other parachute and jumps. Fourth passenger, the pastor, he says, he looks at the 10-year-old bong, he goes, look, I'm old, you're still young, I've lived my life, and since I accepted Jesus as my Lord, I'm going to heaven anyway, why don't you take the last parachute? Bong replies, relax, pastor, there is also a parachute for you. America's most intelligent person took my bag. <laughs> okay, he'll come. For some of you, we'll wait. <laughs> sometimes our faith, sometimes parachutes look the same, right? Little do we know that they're empty bags full of nothing, nothing that will save us. Same with faith. Somehow, different faith looks the same. 
It all looks the same. It seems like it's going to lead you to heaven. It's going to lead you to God. They all look the same. They might sound different, but it seems like they all look the same. But mind you, there is one true faith. Just like with that joke that we just read, sometimes parachutes look like school bags. And same with faith. And this is where Paul, with this verse that he gave in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he, dis he dismissed in that one sentence, he dismissed all man-made religion. All religion and man-made religion believes that tells us that you need to do something in order for you to gain heaven. And you need to do something in order for you to gain God's approval. In that one sentence, Paul dismissed them, canceled all of them. Did you know that there are three popular verses? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created heaven and the earth. John 3-16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Ephesians 2 8 it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. See, this is, the, this is, if you were hiking, and I know some of you guys love hiking, right? For me, when I watched you guys hike, I, I, I could feel the, 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 the heaviness of it. The heaviness, because it takes a while for you to go up that, those hills or those mountains. But once you get to the hilltop, right, it, it becomes the mountaintop. It becomes all worth it. Because you can see from north to east to south and to the west. It's a beautiful, beautiful view. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Paul showed us the top of the mountain of our faith. That, our, that it is by grace that we have been saved. And it is God's gift. And as you look around, there's really nothing that you could do. You just, you brought your sin. That's all that was needed from you. You bring your sin, as filthy as you think you are, as dirty, as, as, as stupid, as a big, as a big of a liar you are. That's all you bring. And God takes it all for you. Faith in Christ is this. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? Well, 17, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, there is the consequence. Now, everybody says it's not fair if, God, if Jesus is the only way. That doesn't make God fair. How fair do you need Him to be? He already paid for your sins. He wasn't supposed to, but he did it. Every other religion tells us this. Come believe me and I'll show you who God is. Come believe this and you will go to heaven. Do this and you will go to heaven. Only Christianity tells us that God came down seeking all of us. He came down seeking all of us and telling us, you don't have to do anything else. Just believe in me. That's different. Might look like a bag, might look like a parachute, but it's different. Christianity is different, folks. It's completely different. 
having faith alone isn't the answer to salvation, but having faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross, that is what matters. Having faith in what you think is a parachute, something that looks like it will rescue you after jumping off the plane, you got to make sure that it is a parachute. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Having faith in Christ, in Him dying on the cross, in Him resurrecting, that's the faith. That's not an empty bag. That is your rescue. Until you have breath, that, that gift is offered. Now this is from Charles H. Spurgeon. I don't know if you probably get, you guys probably know him. It's, it is not great faith, but true faith that saves. And the salvation lies not in the faith, but in Christ, in the Christ in whom faith trusts. It is Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ isn't real, your our faith is in vain. It's nothing, it's not any better than, than anybody else's faith. Well, because Jesus is true, because Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God, our faith is not in vain. How about the second objection? I'm a good person. So long as I'm a good person and do good. Now, what do we do with Romans 3, 10 to 12? Now, folks, if you're a believer and you haven't opened the Bible, God is not speaking to you when your Bible is closed, okay? God will not speak to you when your Bible is closed. One great way for God to speak to you is if you are reading your word, you're studying it. You're studying God here because we're using the Word. This is from the Bible, God's Word. This is God's revelation to us. This is God's clarity for the confused people. This is affirmity. This is affir affirmation for us who believe in Him. Now, if it is about good works, then what do we do with this? As it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. These are all in Psalms. Also in Psalms 14, 1 to 3, 53, 1 to 3, Ecclesiastes 7, 20. If you believe that God's word is the Bible, then this is in God's word and this is God revealing it to us. So what do you do with your good? Nothing. The Bible says that your good works is like dirty rags to me. I know I said this before. I'll say it again. The dirty rags, the real translation of the dirty rags there is like menstrual cloth. Filthy, dirty, disgusting. That's it. That is what God's, that is our good work compared to God. So what do we do? What do, we do? What do we do with this? The Bible is very clear that there is no one that can stand, that could be in right standing with him because of their good works. It doesn't matter how many balik buy-in boxes you'll send to the Philippines. It doesn't matter how high your donation list is. It doesn't matter. 
how good of a relative you are, how good of a dad you are, how good of a child you are. If you are not right with the Lord, you will go to hell. Now, it's not a matter of when we're going to die, or it's not a matter of if we're going to die. It's a matter of when we're going to die. We're all going to die. And then when we die, the Bible says judgment. Judgment. So we all have to think, where do I go when God takes me? And most of us, we've answered that, right? Because of what Christ has done. Now the problem is this. The only problem why someone will not accept the grace, the grace that God offers is because they think they can make it to heaven on their own. Because so long as I'm a good person. That's why the gospel is so offensive to the morally upright people. Because they think, you know, I've completed all the sacraments. I go to church every Sunday. I do all the good works that the Bible says. There is no way that I deserve hell. Ask my parents. I'm the nicest child that they have ever had. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but let's say somebody did say that. It's pride. There are two ways. There, there's only two ways. There are two ways that you will... That you will, uh, two things that you have to believe. Either you can save yourself or Jesus is the only way. The biggest blockage of a person saying, I'm a good person, is because they're prideful. And the Bible says about prideful people is this God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Imagine what you're saying if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. What you're saying is this, that was nice. Dying on the cross and everything, good. But you know what? I think my neighbors need it. But me, there was no need for that. You know me, Lord. I've done all the good things. I'm consistent. I mean, I'm not a rapist. I'm not a bank robber. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm good. Compare me to the rest of the world. I'm really good. You didn't really have to die for me. Look at my heart, Lord. And God already said what's in our hearts, right? See, the one thing that will block someone from receiving the gift of salvation is their pride. Because they think they're good. Because they think they're following everything they need to do. Well, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 already told us, right? For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Faith in Christ, of course, right? And this is not from yourselves. That must have been a big ouch, right? It is not from yourselves. What? After everything I've done, that those are all nonsense? If it's not about, about me... Then all these years that I've been thinking that I've been walking in, in God's path, those are all nonsense? Yes. Because all your good works are like dirty rags to Him. Because you know why? Grace and, and salvation is what? A gift of God. Gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. Again, about pride. Because people, we're good to brag. We're good to boast, especially if we did something good. 
we don't like people talking about our bad things. We feel like they're judging us. When we screw up and then people look at, look, are looking at us and we feel like they're judging us, it's just our guilty feeling, really. Because people probably just don't care. Like, oh, I didn't even know you did that. But when you walk in here, you walk in church and you feel like people are judging you, it's probably your guilt feeling that you're falling into your sin. Right? Because everybody here walks in here with something that we failed. Right? You know, I've said, shared this before, and Deborah knows that I'm not good with dogs. But now I, I feel bad when I yell at my dogs. <laughs> and I yell at them a lot. <laughs> Quiet, because they like whining, you know. I'm like, stop whining. And I, I start feeling bad when I do that now. I'm like, man, I'm getting soft. <laughs> the, why, is it the gift of, why is the gift of grace so hard to accept for people? You know, the one, what, what can disqualify a person uh, with his wages if they don't work, right? You should not expect to get paid on Thursday or Friday whenever you get paid if you did not work, correct? Yeah, if you expect payments, you're what they call kapal moks. <laughs> we have a thick face. You didn't work and you, you expect payment. But what disqualifies you from not getting your gift? I, I know of, this happened with us. We had a gift for someone's kid and we'd had it for like almost a year at the house because the mom would not pick up the gift. The gift, their child's, her child's name, her daughter's name, all over the thing. Intended for her daughter. But she never picked it up. Until, until she picked it up, it was never her daughter's. But it was a gift for her daughter. Same with salvation. Salvation has your name all over it. But until you humble yourself and accept it, it's never going to be yours. Why is it not going to be yours? Why even if we say it's a, it's a gift of God, gift, the salvation is, is God's gift to you. You know why you don't want it? It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the American, the middle class American thinking. You know, the middle class American thinking is we, we say this, I will not be your charity. I, will, I, I earned everything that I have. I worked hard for everything that I have. So there's no need for you to give me anything. In a way, some people will respect that, right? But in the, in the realm of, of spirituality, God is saying, your good works is never enough. You think you're good, but you are not good in my eyes. Now, be, be, without being revealed to us, it shouldn't, it shouldn't offend us because the solution God also has revealed. Your good works isn't enough, but I've given you my son. And he paid. He died on the cross for you. Right? So then it should be embraced. It's a gift that we should wholeheartedly accept. The human heart is so prideful. You know how prideful it is? Even when after becoming a Christian, this is a charge to everybody. We don't pray to God until we're on our last straw. We will try and try and try until we're like, hey, you know what? There's no more. There's, we have no other option but to pray. <laughs> Says a believer. A 
believer of the living God. And his last option is prayer. To ask God for help. Because why? Is God too busy for you? And then we pray with, with, with resentment. We say, well, Lord, you saw it. I tried everything. You saw that. But I mean, you didn't bless it. So it's on you now. We have that attitude. Most of the time we have that attitude, right? Lord, I tried. I tried my best to keep myself healthy. I had my mask on. I washed my hands. I, I put all everything. I still got sick. So it's on you now. How come it never starts with prayer? How come we never start with prayer and go along with our day with prayer and end our day with prayer? You know, it has nothing to do with God, folks. It has every, everything to do with our hearts. Because we could care less until we're like in great need. Right? Everything about the Lord is good and all. You know, when we're being blessed, you know, oh, we don't need God right now. He's busy. Maybe the other guys can use him. I don't need to be at church right now. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm pretty. Until I get sick, then is when I come. Really? I mean, is that... Unfortunately, it takes that. For most of us, it takes, it takes something tragic for us to come to God. But praise God for that. If it takes something heartbreaking for us to come back to God and surrender our lives to Him, then praise God for that trial. Praise God for that heartbreak. Praise God for that sickness. Because if that was the ticket for us to accept Jesus for who He is, our Lord, then we should be thankful. That is a blessing in disguise. Not blessing in the sky, but you can also say it. But blessing in disguise. This is a quote from Randy Smith. Uh, All false religion is based on works to achieve God's favor. And when you base it on works, you will either use God's word as a means to obtain God's favor or ignore God. Or ignore God or ignore God's word and create your own expectations. Both are deadly because both short circuit God. God's method of grace. I think it's pretty clear. Right? So if you have received Jesus as your Lord, praise God. You have realized, you humbled yourself. That despite the many good things you've done in your life, when you saw in the Bible that no one does good, no, not even one. That it is by grace that you are saved. You humbled, you swallowed your pride and you said, you know what? If that is what God is saying, about my good works, I praise Him for revealing that truth to me and showing me my error, and I praise Him for offering His Son to be my Savior. That should be the right attitude. Because God showed us the problem, but God also showed us the solution. Most of us, we just want to talk about the problem, right? We have a lot of suggestions, a lot of issues at church, but we don't want to be part of the solution. We just want to point things out, <laughs> right? We just want to point things out. You know, um, I, I, I came from Catholicism, and Catholicism teaches Jesus that I should have faith in Jesus and then I have to do enough good works and hope that I do not die in the middle of a sin 
because my best bet then would be purgatory. Purgatory. So I have to tell you the stress that I always had, because I've shared this before, I would go to confession on a Wednesday over at St. Thomas Aquinas here downtown. And as I step out of that booth, I see a good looking girl at church. And I'm committing what Jesus said, that if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. Right? And then I'm thinking, man, I hope I don't die till Wednesday. And if I could do enough good works before I die, hopefully I err in heaven. Right? There, there, there's no... And, and So Jesus plus works equals maybe salvation is what where I came from. Faith plus works equals salvation? Is that what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 said? No. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Pastor Julius gave me this shirt. He says, uh, three cross. It was just a plain white shirt. He got it in the Philippines. So simple. Three cross plus one, three nails. Three, sorry. <laughs> three nails plus one cross. And then there's an equal sign. You know the equal? The straight line? It says, forgive it. Man, that was my evangelism, evangelism shirt. I wear it everywhere. Three nails, one cross equals forgiven. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that make you fall in love with the Lord? If you think about, if you look at, in, in the mirror, if you go home tonight and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you would be reminded of the many things that you've committed against God and our neighbor. And you will say, man, I deserve hell. I deserve hell ten times and back. But because of God's goodness, because of God's grace, He brought me to heaven. Because of what Christ has done. Now God through Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, diminishes all false religion and man-made beliefs that teaches Faith plus works. He removed it and erased it and called them false. And because, you know what, guys? Truth is true. There's only one truth. And truth is offensive for many. Now, we are not trying to be offensive, but if you have to say the truth, you, you will offend people. Now, I'm not up here trying to offend you guys every Sunday, but I know some of you are. But it's it, the, 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 the fact is, if I don't tell the truth about what God says here, then I'm committing offense against God. So I'd rather be right with the Lord than be right with you. Because I'm showing my love to you by telling you the truth about what God has said in the Bible. Now, unaided, without help, the human heart will always distort what we hear and what we see. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we will read the Bible differently and we will understand it differently. We will we can we can make the Bible we can make so many religions out of the Bible. That's why there's a lot of cults, a lot of followings there. And a lot of people they, when they when they hear that they, they hear something, you know, this faith will make you rich. Mega church. <laughs> Right? Because everybody wants to be rich. 
They want to hear what they want to hear. Unaided by the Holy Spirit, the human mind and human heart will not see the truth and will not hear the truth. Even if the truth is being said in loudspeakers, human heart without the Holy Spirit will not accept that truth. Only in Christianity does it teach that God Himself is saying, I have come for you. And I am constantly seeking you to tell you that I have died on the cross for you. That all your sins against me have been paid by me. That you just need to accept that gift and that truth. Only Christianity teaches that. That's why when somebody tells me they want to become a member of the church or they want to, they want to, if they, they tell me they want to be a member, my first question is this. Do you know where you're going if you die tonight? I do the diagnostic test. Because the only requirement to become a, a member of this church, it's not your bank account. It's about Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, if you know where you're going, if your salvation is secure by accepting Jesus as your Lord. And if they answer me differently, then we can't. And then we share the gospel to them. Now here's this verse here. Look to Jesus. This is Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Before I get, this is, this is the verse that saved Charles H. Spurgeon, a very popular Baptist preacher, the Prince of Preachers. Right, Pastor Charles? Prince of Preachers. Before I get to his story, I want to tell you guys about the Pagoda tragedy in the Philippines. Some, some of you probably know about what happened there. Back in 1993, there was this, this um, in Bukawe, Bulacan, a place in the Philippines, they do this a water parade of, of floaters, big floaters, which we call they call pagoda. So their idols are floating there and the devotees are there and everything else. Now there were about 800 to 1,000 devotees at this time in 1993. At 8.15, there was a huge accident that happened that took the lives of 266 people. The pagoda, which was about 20 feet tall, drowned the people, the spectators and the devotees and the participants there. What I will never forget, because I was in the Philippines and I was watching the news, they were saying this, and this is to my fear. I, that's why I couldn't remember, I couldn't forget it, because I don't know how to swim. And most of the people that died there were people that couldn't swim. And and this is this is the point here. There were swimmers, the people that could swim, tried rescuing the other folks that were drowning. But to their dismay, because the non-swimmers were such in a panic, they would pull on the people that were trying to rescue them. And as they pulled them, two things either happened. They either both drowned or the swimmer left them. That is grace, folks. There is Jesus doesn't need your help to get saved. From the fires of hell. You just need to trust Him. 
You just need to have him carry you. You know, I almost drowned a couple of times. And that's the same comment that my friends were telling me. Don't pull me. You're pulling me. We're both going to drown. And I'm thinking, it's either me or you, bro. <laughs> I'm going to stand on top of you and jump off this thing. But here, look unto me. Just look unto Jesus and you will be saved. Now, this is, this is what happened to Charles H. Spurgeon. He, there was a snowstorm and he was, he was 15 years old when he got saved. He was, there was a snowstorm and that snowstorm prevented him from going to the church that he wanted to go to. He ended up turning to this one small church and at that time only had 15 people. And the preacher, because of the snowstorm, couldn't make it. So the guy, maybe a deacon, you know, who was a, sh a shoemaker, they told him, you need to speak. So he got up there and he read this verse. Look unto me, he said, with his thick Essex accent. Look unto me. Many of you are looking to yourselves. No use looking there. You'll never find comfort in yourselves. Then the good man followed up his text in this way. Look unto me, I am sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me, I am hanging on the cross. Look, I am dead and buried. Look, I have risen again. Look unto me, I ascend. I am sitting at the Father's right hand. Oh, look to me, look to me. When we had gone about that length, this is Charles Spurgeon speaking, and managed to spin out about 10 minutes, he was at length to his teether. Uh, and he looked at me, talk about Charles Spurgeon. And the this, this preacher goes, young man, you look miserable. <laughs> and this is Charles Spurgeon speaking. He said, well, I did, but I had not been accustomed to have remarks made on my personal appearance from the pulpit before. However, it was a good blow struck. And then the speaker continued, And you will always be miserable. Miserable in life and miserable in death if you do not obey my text. Speaking about this. But if you obey now, this moment you will be saved. Then he shouted as only a primitive Methodist can, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. There and then, the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away and that moment I saw the sun and I could have risen that moment and sung with the most enthusiastic of them of the precious blood of Christ. Folks, look unto Jesus. If you are now boasting because you're a good Christian, never take your eyes off Jesus because when we fail, the grace is there because of that. Stand firm in His grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your message tonight. We thank You for Your people who made it here in person, Father God. I pray that You bless them. I pray that You protect them while they are here, Lord God, and as they go home. I pray, Father, that You keep them healthy, Lord God. And I pray that You bless them. I pray that You provide their needs, Lord God. And I pray that their hearts and their minds will be, Lord, be in love with You constantly and supremely. I pray for the ones who are online, Lord God, I pray that you also bless them. I pray that you have spoken to them as well. I pray that you protect them, Lord God, 
from the virus to Lord God, and everything else, any harm or danger that the enemy has planned for us. I pray for this church of yours, Lord God. I pray that we were pleasing to you this evening. I pray for your truth, Lord God, that was spoken. I pray that it will be lived out, it will be remembered, and that we will glorify you in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the